A48, so coming up, as I mentioned briefly before, we're going to talk about how the Zika virus could be used as a weapon against disease, specifically against brain cancer. Wouldn't it be nice to have Zika virus turn out to do something good for the world, especially something like that? Also, building a wall to uh, battle not white walkers like Game of Thrones style, but rather uh, just the effects of climate change. And uh, we start with Japan's space program landing two rovers on an asteroid. Mark Zastro, science journalist. Good morning. Good morning, Alex. Happy Jusok. Happy Jusok to you too. Uh, so I- I've read a bit about asteroid mining, how mm. lucrative it could be. Is this the first step? Uh, maybe. It's, uh, it's certainly an impressive feat in terms of just being able to operate spacecraft in the vicinity of an asteroid. And and actually, it's something that Japan really excels at. I think uh, probably the Japanese space agency has more experience in this uh, working around asteroids than any other space agency in the world. And they really showed it on Friday when they landed these two small rovers on the asteroid Ryugu, which is over uh, 320 million kilometers away. And so they descended to the surface of the asteroid from their mother spacecraft, which is orbiting the asteroid currently. Now, uh, we're calling these things rovers because they do have the ability to move around the asteroid. They're not stuck in one place, uh, but they are very different from the rovers that you would usually think of that land on Mars mm. or the moon. And, you know, they usually look like little buggies uh, or golf carts with those big wheels. These rovers, they're actually just a thick disc, about seven centimeters tall. They have some landing legs and some cameras mounted in the side. Uh, they honestly, they look kind of like a tin of cookies, like or biscuits. They're about this, that same size. Yes, and they only weigh in in total about a kilogram. So they don't have wheels. They don't roll. They don't even have rocket thrusters. They just hop around the asteroid. And the way they do that is that they actually have some internal motors that are basically just flywheels. So they spin up and they produce a torque, like a gyroscope, and that just propels the little disks up and to the side. And then because, of course, gravity is so weak on an asteroid, it just sort of floats above the surface for a while and it gently comes back down somewhere else. So they don't have a lot of precise control, but they are able to move around and they've sent back some pretty cool pictures uh, of the asteroid as they're in mid-hop above it. Wow. But what do we really hope to learn from these two little rovers, if not, you know, discovering incredible mineral resources and even <laughs> precious gems? Right. Well, for now, uh, the, the main goal of for these rovers is to scout out the asteroid and prepare for the main part of their mothership's mission, which is called Hayabusa 2. And that's supposed to collect a sample from beneath the asteroid's surface sometime next year. So the mothership will deploy another spacecraft, which will essentially fire a little pellet into the asteroid, uh, form a little crater, dig up some fresh material, and then the mothership will land on the asteroid and collect that material and eventually return it back to Earth so that scientists can study it in the lab. And so the rovers are supposed to find uh, a good flat place where it can do that. And uh, as the name Hayabusa 2 suggests, this is actually the second time Japan has tried to do something like this. The original Hayabusa mission uh, was also trying to get at uh, 
asteroid samples from beneath the surface of an asteroid, but they only managed to pick up some dust grains from the surface. Uh, it did bring those back to Earth, and even those were really very valuable because anytime you're looking at anything from an asteroid, you're looking at a rock that formed very early in the history of the solar system. So it's like looking at a fossil that can tell us a lot about how the solar system formed and what conditions were like at that time. Yeah, honestly, really is, I think, to me and to many others who are not directly into this kind of subject potentially very interesting. Now, of course, this wasn't the only big news last week for Japan in space exploration. Last Tuesday, SpaceX announced that it will be sending Japanese billionaire Yusaku Mezawa to the moon. That's right. Of course, SpaceX had teased this announcement, uh, not saying who it was for a while, but it turned out to be Maizawa, who purchased this uh, ticket to be one of the first commercial passengers to fly around the moon when SpaceX starts flying its next generation rocket, about five years from now. Uh, I say he's one of the first people because he's actually planning on taking six to eight artists along with him. Uh, he himself is actually a large supporter, a large benefactor uh, of contemporary art. And so he wants uh, these artists to come and create art out of the experience of yeah. uh, flying around the moon. Well, you want someone to take a good portrait of you while you're on such a special <laughs> mission, right? Yeah, that's Once that's in a too. lifetime experience. Yeah, more than just a selfie. <laughs> yes. Now, switching gears to an endeavor that's no less noble. In fact, possibly the most exciting of all the topics today, uh, the fight against brain cancer moving forward, perhaps, with researchers reporting some preliminary progress in mice with an unexpected form of treatment using the Zika virus as a weapon. Right. Of course, Zika is that mosquito-borne illness that is known for causing severe birth defects, including brain damage. And of course, we've seen it particularly the past few years in outbreaks in South and Central America. But a Chinese team of researchers wondered whether they could modify the Zika virus to, instead of damaging brain cells, it would attack brain tumor cells, uh, particularly glioblastoma tumors, which are the most aggressive form of brain cancer. And it turns out that the stem cells of the tumor are in fact very similar to the cells that Zika attacks in fetuses. And in fact, if you inject mice with glioblastoma with just straight up active Zika virus, it actually does help them to live a little bit longer. So of course, you wouldn't want to uh, do that with humans in a clinical setting. So uh, again, with mice, they tried an experimental Zika vaccine, which has a, a modified form of the virus, a, an attenuated form of the virus, so the kind that doesn't infect you. And lo and behold, uh, when they injected this vaccine form, safer form of the virus in mice, it not only killed the tumor stem cells, prolonged their lives, but it also did not infect them. So it was safe. Uh, this is still a long ways off, of course, from being able to be applied to humans. Yeah. But the entire technique of taking viruses, modifying them, maybe being able to use them to fight other forms of cancer as well, that is pretty promising. Really good to hear, even if we have to be patient on that wait, and it's heartbreakingly patient for, for many people. Let's finish with the topic of climate change, though. And, I, you know, any time someone talks about building a wall, I mean, you, you're either 
drawn to like President Trump's border plan or perhaps Game of Thrones and, and that giant wall, uh, especially in the subject of propping up ice. Mm, mm-hmm. How's this going to work? Though that, not in the north, but rather deep south. Right. And Antarctica, the idea here is to try to prevent that catastrophic sea level rise that we worry about by propping up these glaciers that are sliding into the ocean. Uh, in particular, the scientists took a look at Thwaites Glacier in West Antarctica, and they made computer simulations to figure out what would you need to do in order to prop them up. And the problem with these glaciers is that the warm water that tends to erode them, it all comes in at the bottom. So what they found is that if you build up a berm uh, hundreds of meters high on the seafloor around the glacier, you can keep that warm water out and away from it. And in those models, it protected the glacier from collapsing 100% of the time, even in a warming world. Now, the problem is, of course, that's about... 10 times bigger than any other civil engineering project in the history of humankind. So it's uh, very difficult, but it's not totally unimaginable. Sounds like a lucrative contract for somebody. (laughs) That's that's for sure. Thank you very much, Mark Zastro, with our Science and Tech Roundup today. Thank you, Alex.